Welcome to the Graceway Sermon Cast. Graceway is a Baptist church located in Lexington, Kentucky. We have a heart for God and a deep love for people. You can learn more about our church by visiting www.gracewaylex.org. Now, here's this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. How's everybody this morning? Good, 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 good. We're glad you're here. If you would, uh, we're going to continue through our uh, study through the Ten Commandments, so you know where you're headed. We're in the book of Exodus, chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20. We'll get there here in just a few minutes. Um, everybody watching via Facebook, I want to say welcome. Now, some of you get here late to the stream, and no, I'm not Pastor Derek. I'm, Pastor Derek honored me with asking me to take this commandment as we were working our way through the commandments, and I am always honored to get an opportunity to speak here. I, uh, I love being able to do it. I've never done music and then preach. That's a bit of a sprint. That's fun. Uh, we'll give this a try. For, this one's new. Um, but uh, so thankful to be up here, and I'll be drinking a lot of water because I just finished singing two very high-pitched songs. We got to the top of Ryan's range today, and that was fun. Um, we're getting into the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment, we know what the fifth commandment is. Honor your father and mother. We'll get into that here in just a second. Um, Pastor Derek thought it would be funny to give this one to me uh, because I'm the youth pastor. He thought it was an interesting, it'd be interesting to hear, you know, about honoring your parents from the youth ministry side of things. But also, as you guys know, we've got a baby on the way in three weeks. Um, she'll, three weeks-ish, whenever she decides, who knows? She, she may decide like this afternoon, who knows? We're at that point. My wife is so pregnant at this point that when she sneezes a little too hard, I'm reaching for a catcher's mitt. That's how close we are right now. So it's a little terrifying. Um, Speaking of terrifying, Pastor Derek mentioned when he was talking about parenthood up here that it's just a constant source of stress. I guess that starts before the baby gets here, right? Yeah. Because uh, we were t- Mom was talking to somebody yesterday. Brie was uh, talking to somebody, and they asked her about it. And she said, yeah, we got about three weeks to go. And I hadn't thought about it. And I heard three weeks to go, three weeks to go, three weeks to go, three weeks to go. And it's like a tunnel was forming around me. I hadn't really thought about how close we were. What do I do, you guys? <laughs> I'm hearing a lot of prayer. If you're in the comment section to help me, what do I do? I don't, I'm incredibly immature. Why would anybody do this to me? Why would I, what is going on? Who would give me a child? So glad I have my wife. She's much smarter than me. Um, you didn't need to amen it that hard. Uh, <laughs> we're in Exodus chapter 20. I am looking forward to, to being a dad. And if I'm being honest with you, if, if you've ever had something in your life that you wanted so much that you never actually said it out loud before, like that's how much you wanted it. You've never actually, you've never vocalized it. I've wanted to be a dad since I've been alive, I guess. I've always wanted to be a dad, and it was a long, hard road to get to this point. We've been trying for six and a half years before we found out we were pregnant, and by the time this kid gets here, it'll be closer to seven, and the fact that I've had to wait seven years is not lost on me who's somebody who's read the Old Testament. <laughs> we were meant to wait for a reason, and this kid's coming along for this time and this moment, and I, I could not be more happy and slash terrified. Um, it's probably 50-50, happy, terrified at the moment. It'll probably swing towards happy, but who knows? It may just swing towards terrified. We'll see. Um... But Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, we get our next commandment. We've been through the first four, and the first four really had to do with our relationship with God. And the, the fifth commandment 
does as well, but it starts to pivot us. We'll read it. It says, Honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Before we go any further, let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your work. Thank you for your salvation that you've provided us. Thank you for the fact that you are love incarnate. This morning, I pray, as we dive into our relationships with our parents and by proxy our relationship with you and also our relationships with our kids, that you would illuminate truth for all of us in your word for what you have to say to us. God, hide me behind the cross and let me say nothing that would hinder your word from going forth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. So like I said, one through four deal with our relationship with God, and five, five kind of starts to pivot us to others. And it says, honor your father and your mother. This, uh, it, so if the first, first four are about our relationship with God, the, the last six, uh, the, the, next, the next ones after this are going to be about our relationships with others. We're going to start getting into do not murder, do not steal, all that stuff. I'm not trying to give away the, the ending, but you guys know which commandments are next. And so this one's kind of our pivot point. Honor your father and mother. Um, because our relationship with our parents directly affects our view and relationship with God for better or worse. If you think about what kind of dad you had, what kind of father you had, all of us can, can understand the idea that our view of our father in some way, for better or worse, shaped our view of God just a little bit. And for some of us, more than just a little bit, quite a bit, especially our first concept. Before God was, was made real to us, before God was fully explained, we heard that he was our heavenly father, and so we relate that to our earthly father. And so f depending on what kind of father you had, it may, have, it may have skewed your view of God ahead of time. If your dad was there, if he was loving, if he was a caring father, then understanding the nature of God wasn't terribly difficult because you had an example there. If your, God was like, if your dad was like my dad, I've, I've never met my father. He was absent. I, had a, I grew up in a single-parent household. Shout out to all the single moms. Make sure you send your single mom a card on Father's Day. She pulled double duty. She deserves it. Um, but I grew up with a single mom. And so and having never met my real father, I didn't understand until I was older. I was always looking for that. I was looking for the love and the affirmation and whatever it is that I thought I needed from a dad. I was looking for it in all these other places. And praise God, somebody came along and said, you're not going to find it in any person, place, or thing. You're going to find it in your heavenly father who would never abandon you, who would never be absent, who would never leave you or forsake you. And it was through that, it, it, as harsh as I felt towards God in that moment, all it took was somebody speaking truth about how God would never be like my real father, my earthly father, in that he would always be there. And that's the lesson I take from my father going into fatherhood myself. I didn't have an example from when I was little growing up. Thank God he brought some examples into my life later on. But the first thing I learned from my, my earthly father is the best thing you can be for your child is there. Um, and so I take that lesson. That's, that's what I learned from him. And I learned the rest from the men that God put around me. Pastor Derek was, was one of my biggest influences, but also all you fathers in this church. If you, don't, you may not know, but I've taken something from all of you. All the guys I grew up with in church who have watched be dads before me. I've learned little by little that way. <clears throat> but mostly I've learned by understanding and trying to, and I'm not saying I've got this perfect. This is, the, this is the working theory I'm going into fatherhood with, and we'll find out if I'm right, that all the good things about who God is to me and even the things I don't like are who I need to be as a dad. I just need to emulate that. Um, it's interesting. I was, uh, when I was doing research for this, J.D. Greer did an excellent sermon on, on um, this 
this commandment, and when he did, he said when he was doing a study for his for college, he was uh, he was doing a, a doctoral study on the nature of faith, and he looked at all of the the major voices in atheism, all the most outspoken atheists of, of of the last few centuries: Sigmund Freud, Karl Marx, Bertrand Russell, Madeleine Murray, O'Hare, Friedrich Nietzsche, and Albert Camus. They were all outspoken atheists, and all of them had a terrible relationship with their father. I found that interesting. They all had a rough relationship with their dad, and it caused them not just to say, this God thing isn't for me, but to actually go so far as to say, it's not for any of you either, and none of you should believe it. That's a kind of hurt that manifests into something you carry out to other people. And they did it on kind of a macro level, through writing and, and speaking and stuff like that, but... Normal everyday people, we do that on somewhat of a micro level. We're going to communicate what we feel without realizing it. How we feel, if we don't confront how we feel and maybe some of the hurt we've got inside of us, if we're not honest about it and confront it when it needs to be confronted, that just comes out in who we are. It comes out in how we interact with other people. We'll, we'll get into that here in a little bit. Just as a side note, some of you are carrying trauma from the past. Some of you in this room, some of you watching on Facebook, you're carrying trauma from how your parents raised you. Maybe it's, maybe it's trauma that we, we're all going to experience that you lost your parent. Maybe you lost them young. But maybe it's trauma that they weren't the most godly people. Maybe they were abusive. Maybe they, maybe they were abandoning. abandoning. Maybe wh whatever it is, we all carry our own thing from it. Whatever that is, I know that honor your father and mother is not going to come easy to everybody. God knows that too. When we go deep in his word, we find out that even if our parents... Even if our parents weren't Christians, even if our parents wanted us to go the opposite way, even if our parents didn't want God's best for us, there's still a way we honor them, even if we don't necessarily obey everything. Teenagers heard we don't have to obey to honor our parents. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Stick with me. We'll get um, We look at, at verse 12, and it says, Honor your father and mother so that you may have a long life in the land that your God is giving you. This verse is divided into two parts. We get a directive and we get a promise. A directive, honor your parents as stand-ins for God as they act godly. So that, that first part, honor your parents, is, is our, that's our directive. And then we get the promise, you will live long in the land. This is a practical promise. Um, this is not something vaguely spiritual, that you will have long life. And he's not talking to the individual, saying, if you're nice to your mom and dad, I'll make sure you live long, you have nice cars, you have a good house, your mortgage is always paid, and your finances are taken care of. It's not the prosperity gospel. That's not what he's saying. He's not speaking to the individual. He was speaking to the nation of Israel, and through the nation of Israel, he's speaking to us. He's not saying that there's this, there's this vague tie between if you're nice to your parents, I'll bless you. What he's saying is a society and a culture that honors their parents, everyone honoring the generation before them will be healthier for it. And so he's setting up, uh, he's setting up Israel to be stronger by honoring, their, by honoring their parents. The family is the basic fundamental unit of society. If it's healthy, our communities are healthy too. And so he's trying, and God is setting up a system whereby our families are as healthy as possible by our children honoring their parents. Now we'll see here in just a minute that this, is, this commandment is, is not just for children. It's for parents too. It lays some responsibility on us as well. But then he goes to, and, and if you don't believe me, Exodus 21 verse 17, I think I've got it up from the screen, has a, has, he goes a little further with it. He says, whoever curses his father or his mother must be put to death. 
that's kind of rough. How many of us would have made it out of high school under that commandment? Not me. I, I, probably, I wouldn't have made it out of middle school. Some of us would have made it out of elementary school. That seems harsh, doesn't it? In the Old Testament, he's trying to set up Israel so that he can set up a line that will produce Jesus. And so all the harsh things we find in the Old Testament, we need to understand we're, we're harsh in the moment, harsh at the time, necessary for yours and mine's salvation. It was necessary that he set up Israel to be a certain kind of society so that he could bring his son out of that line so that he could die for our sins. They didn't take disrespect towards parents as a, as a, as a private matter that no one should get involved with. They actually considered it a very public issue. That if you were disrespectful to your parents, if you dishonored your parents, it was bad for the community at large. And so it was a law. It was written into the law. It's very different from our culture. I, our culture, we have a hard time grasping this idea that my relationship with my parents would be anybody else's business. But I will tell you, that didn't, that's not born out of the child's desire for that to be private. That's born out of the parent's desire for everybody to think they're not a bad parent because their children are perfect. There's so much more responsibility put on parents from this verse than there is on children. It puts us in, in place. Um, this commandment is for parents as much as children. In your role as a parent, in our role as parents, we are temporary stand-ins for God. And that idea is both terrifying and comforting at the same time. If we are in a position to... to be the temporary stand-in for God's authority in our child's life until they come to a knowledge of who God is and why what he says matters and what righteousness and unrighteousness is, what sin is, until they come to understand that for themselves. You as their parent are the stand-in for that, and that is a major responsibility. But it changes a lot of things. They hear who God is first from us, what we say about him and what we say to him. They're going to hear about God from us first, hopefully. Right? That's the idea. That they're going to get their biblical education at home and they're going to hear about who God is. And so we have to be ready to represent God as he is, not as we want him to be. He's not, just, he's not just guy in the sky who gives us what we want when we need it. He's not, just, he, he, he's not just this or he's not just that. All these things we try to label him as. He's not just there to punish the guilty, though he does because he is, he, he, God's justice is real. We don't focus on one aspect. We have to preach God to our children as who he is completely and totally. He loved you before you'll ever love him. That love is so deep you'll never find the bottom of it. And through that love, he sent his son, his child, to die for you. He calls us to righteousness as much as he calls us to him. He calls us, because he is righteousness. He's calling you to him. You were created for him, and I am just temporarily here to guide you through this. I am your parent, but he is your heavenly father. And you need to understand that, that, that obeying me right now is how you learn to obey him. And ultimately obeying him is the example Jesus gave us. They see who God is by watching us. Our successes and mostly our failures, they're going to see God, who God is by watching how we interact with God. How we, how we take a situation, how we do things biblically, or if we do things selfishly, um, how we treat them. Um, if we treat them as God treats us, loving and caring, but concerned for the discipline in their life, then understanding who God is becomes easier. And how we treat others, especially the ones we disagree with. 
And right now, I imagine there's a generation of children watching the adults in our country and seeing us treat the people we disagree with very harshly. Not in a manner that would be befitting of Christ. Not in a manner that would be befitting of, of how we're supposed to interact with, with saved and unsaved people alike. We're supposed to act in kindness. And we're supposed to maintain, if not respect for the individual, respect for the idea that one day I, I may be called upon to give this person the gospel. That's what it's ultimately about. There's no political difference, socioeconomic difference, racial difference. None of those divides matter when it comes time for the gospel to be shared. None of them. We need to get past those and start seeing people for, for what they are, a soul that is either saved or isn't. If they aren't, they need the gospel. If they are, they're our brother or sister. Our children see how we treat other people. They're going to they're gonna learn who God is by watching how we act like him or don't. And we don't need to send them a mixed message about who God is by being nasty to one person and nice to the next. God is no respecter of persons. All of this, all of this, this, this that we just mentioned changes how we end up disciplining our children. Instead of a selfish need for control, we discipline so they learn to obey God's authority by first obeying us as his stand-ins, and that is the ultimate goal. I don't, we don't want children obeying us just because I'm right and you're wrong, that's it, I need to sit down because I don't want to listen to this. Does anybody, dads, does this ever end? I found myself as a married man in a constant pursuit of just needing to sit down. Capital S, capital D. I mean, I sit at work all day long. Some of you guys do too. I sit in the car. I mean, I mean sit down. Comfy chair, something on the TV, maybe a video game, a, a drink, maybe a snack. I just want to sit down. I'm not going to sit down again for another 18 years, am I? No? Okay. I, I mean, I'm going to sit down, but I'm not going to sit down. I'm just, uh, that's, that's where I want to get. We are not disciplining just so I, I can, things can be convenient and I can be comfortable again. We don't discipline just because we're personally offended that our child would disobey us. We discipline so that if they learn to obey us, the idea of obeying God becomes more clear. And that's the ultimate goal. We want children who are obedient to God, but not because we want obedient children, but because we want faithful adults. We're not producing good kids who are quiet in church. We're producing faithful men and women who will further the kingdom. And so that's why discipline become, we take a different look at discipline when we understand what we're disciplining for. Now that is the stuff that was all for all the parents and now for all of us kids. And that's all of us, we're all somebody's kids. And I found this excellent definition of what it means as a kid, no matter what age you are. Everybody in here is somebody's kid. Whether your parents are still with us or if they've passed on, you're always still somebody's kid, right? Like it never stopped. You'd be 45 years old, your mom still thinks of you as the baby, right? Right? I'm the youngest, I'll always be the baby. I'm the favorite. I, can't, I love it. Um, somewhere on the Facebook feed, my sister's screaming, no, you're not! Um, <laughs> Um, this great definition um, of what it is to, to honor our parents at any age. This is great. To honor your parents means to recognize the institution of parenthood as the temporary stand-in for God that it is and respect it accordingly. A simple response to this definition, as a child at home, we obey. If you're living at home or if you are a child underage with your parents, you obey them. And then, for the rest of our lives, we respect them. There, there's a weird in-between moment somewhere. There's an awkward phase 
where the, as a parent, you're going to have to learn that you're not longer, no longer making all the decisions, that they're going to have to make some decisions on their own. And yes, they may have to make a few mistakes. But there's a point where you turn them over and they have to start, they have to start following God on their own because it's got to be their faith. It can't be your faith for them. And so what happens when this kid who you've raised to be faithful comes back with somebody, comes back with some boyfriend or girlfriend who you don't necessarily approve of, but they're saying, without a doubt, this is who God has for me. This is who I'm going to marry. Nightmare scenario, right? <laughs> but if we've trained them up, if we've, we've taught them to hear the voice of God, if we've taught them to obey God the way they should, and if we've been the example we were supposed to be, then God brings them to who they're going to be with. As a child, we, we have this, with this awkward moment where it's no longer my parents making this decision for me, and I have to, to go where God calls me and be with who God calls me to be with and, and, and pursue the kingdom in the way God calls me to do as an individual. And there's the, we all know as parents that they're only ours temporarily. We're the temporary standing for God, and eventually they're going to go out into the world and be on their own, and that's tough. How many of you have grown, grown kids who you've sent out into the world to be on their own? Yeah. I'd, I'd say you're pretty proud of most of them, right? Okay. Don't, don't do this real hard. We're on camera. But if, just in case you're not, it's tough, isn't it, though? It's a hard moment. It's a rough moment. It, it, it's, it's, I'm not looking forward to it. I got a while, but I'm not looking forward to it. Um, throughout this pregnancy, everybody's given us the same piece of advice. They've given us a lot of pieces of advice, but one piece of advice I keep hearing over and over and over again, cherish the time when they're small. Cherish the time when you have them, when they're little. Enjoy every phase. and Enjoy the infant phase. Enjoy the toddler phase as much as you can without, you know, just burning the house down. Enjoy the, even enjoy the teenager phase because eventually those phases pass quick and they're grown and they're out. I, uh, I want to take that advice to heart because it seems to be the thing every parent ever is telling me, to, to enjoy those phases of their life. Um... Obeying the institution of parenthood allows us to respect them without respecting their sin. We're parents. Um, you guys are parents. I'm going to be a parent. We're not perfect. Parents sin. And we don't want our children obeying our sin because in, in our sinful moments, sometimes we, we may... We may Air. We go the wrong way. We tell them, this is, this is what you're going to do and you're going to obey me. And we may be wrong. Obeying the institution of parenthood allows us to respect our parents without respecting their sin. We, we obey the institution of parenthood even in the moment when our parents are wrong. And honestly, it, and hear this as a parent and a child, the way you parent and lead your children will be what you answer for when you stand before God. And as a child, the way you obeyed your parents and answered for what they had to do will be what you account for when you're before God. We're going to give an account for everything we do. So the way we parent as, as leaders of our homes and, and the spiritual leader of our home and the disciplinary leader of our home will answer for all of it. And it will be answered in how they live. Um, we honor our parents by obeying God even if they don't want us to. If, a, if you have, if you, if, and I've had this in youth group before, and let, let me give an example. We had, we had kids who, come, who would come through, come with a friend, and get saved, and get really into to serving God and want to be there, but they had parents who were like, I don't know about all this. I don't know if I want you this involved in religion. I don't want you to go this far. And so, truly, we honor our parents by obeying God, even if our parents don't want the same thing God wants for us. 
And so we had kids that would come through our group, and uh, I can remember one in particular that her mom would only let her get her get so involved. Like she got saved, but she wouldn't let her get baptized. And this girl was was faithful and wanted to wanted to serve, wanted to keep coming. She wanted to be part of choir, and normally. You have to be baptized to be a member of the church, and you have to be, you know, you have to be a member of the church in good standing to be in the choir. And those are those are rules we have because anybody who's on the stage is a leader in the church. And so this girl wanted to. We said, you know what? We'll we'll sidestep our rules a little bit here because we want to honor your parents because she doesn't want you to go through with this, and we're not going to directly do that because that'll probably mean she'll pull you out and won't let you come back. So we're going to let you serve, and we're gonna we're gonna win this one. We don't have to be so rigid with all our rules all the time as long as we're staying faithful. And so she wanted to serve Jesus, so we sidestepped some of the, some of the stuff we had in place to make sure she could serve Jesus. And that's the, those are the little things we've had to do. I, I, can think of, I can think of probably three or four other examples of that, of kids who got really involved, but their parents wanted to pump the brakes on this because they didn't know if they wanted them this involved in religion. And I get it. That's a, that's a parent who has no idea what this church is, no idea what this whole Jesus thing is about, and, and, and want to be cautious. But if through that and through being respectful of those parents, I mean, that's how my mom got saved. I came to church. I started getting involved. And mom saw this huge change and was like, what is all this? Came to church about a year later and got saved uh, at the old building. That's the goal. That's, that's excellent. But that's the ultimate honor we can do to our parents is bring them to Jesus for, for people whose parents don't know the Lord. Um, our love of him should ultimately make our love of our parents look like hate, according to Luke 14, 26. That puts it in perspective that we should, that he says, if anyone doesn't hate his mother or father, cannot follow after me. He's not saying you have to hate your parents. He's saying how you love me should look like hate by comparison. That should tell you about the nature of your relationship as a parent, how much we should be pointing them to Jesus. As we grow towards, and this is, a, this is one more thought to have uh, for those of, us, those of us kids of parents, as we grow towards independence, our parents are on an opposite path towards dependence. It will be our job to make sure they're cared for in their old age. Jesus made sure Mary would be taken care of as he hung on the cross. He looked out for his mother and made sure she was cared for. In, in John, we find that he looks at John and says, Man, behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. He was saying, Take care of my mom. As he was hanging on the cross. Don't ever, as God forbid, we ever get to a point where we're too busy to take care of our, our older parents. Jesus was hanging on the cross, being executed, and made sure his mom was taken care of. It's our job as a society, it's our job as we move forward to make sure that our parents are taken care of and not, and I'm, I'm not going to get political or anything, but it shouldn't be up to the government. It should be up to us as much as we possibly can to take care of our, our, of our parents and make sure that they're okay. Take help where you can get it. I will say that, I, I, I'm, I'm, but it's our responsibility. And the last thing, the last point as we, as we move towards the end here, and we'll have an invitation. Jesus fulfills this commandment. Ultimately, the commandment of honor your father and mother was fulfilled completely like every other commandment will be by Jesus. In Jesus, we have all we need to learn to trust God. When we look at him as our example, we find everything we'll ever need to be able to trust him. His promises, God's promises all come true through Jesus. All the prophecies of the Old Testament and every good thing that you and I have from God flowed through Jesus. Jesus was, and he, as our example, Jesus was fully obedient, and his full obedience resulted in our salvation. 
being obedient to God because He is our Heavenly Father, because He knows what's best for us, results in the best possible things. They result in His plans instead of ours. And my best plan is nothing compared to God's worst plan. And God doesn't have a worst plan, really, but my, my best laid plans won't touch what God has planned for me. God has planned for the people around me, for my children, for my parents. Following after what God has for us, being fully obedient as His child, as His children, results in the best possible things. Jesus is the love we first look for from our parents, regardless of whether we received it or not. Some of us, I'll be honest, this may be you, this may be some of you watching via Facebook this morning, some of you need to forgive your parents. For whatever way it was that you grew up or that they raised you or whatever trauma you suffered or wherever you, wherever you ended up with them, you need to forgive them. And that hit hard when I was putting this together because I, I don't deal well with stress. I'm a carefree, easygoing person, not because I am able to deal with stress so well, but because I actively avoid it at every turn. <laughs> I just don't like it. Who does, though? Who enjoys stress? Nobody. So I actively avoid it. And in, in looking at this, I realized, you know, for a dad who was never there, there wasn't much there to, to understand how to forgive, but you got to forgive that much at least. you got to have understanding, and, you, and mostly it's not for him. It was for me. And that's what we understand about forgiveness is it's not just about the person you're forgiving, but it's about you because harboring a grudge towards somebody is, is like carrying around a ticking time bomb just waiting for you, to, waiting for the opportunity. It's just going to go off in our faces. It's never going to reach the person we mean it for. And if it does, it doesn't make anything better. Some of us need to forgive our parents. And this, is, this was the line that kind of came to me. And if you're, if you're taking notes, I, I love this. This was not me originally writing this, but this is what kind of original thought. But I believe this was God-inspired. No wound is fatal in God's kingdom as long as forgiveness is freely available to us all. No wound inflicted upon us by another person will ever be spiritually fatal as long as, sorry, as, long as forgiveness is freely available to all who would seek it. And even those who wouldn't. Whatever wound you're carrying from your past, maybe from your parents, maybe from somebody else, if you don't hear anything else this morning, hear this. No wounds are fatal in the kingdom. Because everyone can be forgiven and everything can be redeemed. Everything. Be careful not to make an idol out of your parents or the pain they caused you. If we get focused on that, more than we're focused on Jesus, it's an idol. That's true for anything. Be careful not to, to get what your parents did to you or who your parents were as people, whether it was good or bad, placed in front of Jesus. Because making an idol out of them doesn't, doesn't help them or us. Um, and the last thing I'll say, parents, if our children experience unconditional love from us, then they will understand how his love works when they hear the gospel. And I'm speaking from experience on that one. I grew up, my grandmother um, was always around. We lived with her for a little while. She, she raised me as much as my mom did. And growing up, I watched that woman produce unconditional love for all her kids and grandkids. And I would watch her for all of her family. And so I had experience with it myself, but I watched it in the tough moments when she had family who would really, uh, on several occasions, I watched family truly hurt my grandmother. I mean, truly hurt her, betray her trust, um, steal from her, really hurt her. 
And I was around, praise God, around for those moments to see her still love them. She was hurt. She was even angry, but she still loved them. And I didn't understand that as a younger person, as a kid. How can you still love somebody who's done this to you? How can you love somebody enough that, that even through this you don't just hate them? And I saw unconditional love on display at a very young age, even though I didn't understand it. So when it came time, October 22nd, 2003, for somebody to tell me what, what unconditional love really was and that it applied to me, it clicked. Oh, she can love them the same way that he's saying that God loves me. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I'll get saved. It, it was that simple for me. The gospel is, praise God, it's simple, because if it weren't simple, then people like me wouldn't get saved. Amen? It's got to be somewhat, the, the message is simple. It's very complex and everything that works around it. We can add a lot of stuff to it, but truly it boils down to the fact that God loves us so much. He was willing to give it all so that we could be with him. I, and that's a, he boiled it down to something so simple so that you and I will be able to share it no matter where we go or how, how vocal we want to be about things. We can always share that one message. <clears throat> I hope, we've, I hope we've come to a point where we understand a little bit, um, and as we get ready to go on invitation, would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I hope we understand a little better the nature of who we're supposed to be as parents. I have taken this message very much to heart as I prepared for it this week in understanding what, what I'm aiming for. And if, if I could ask anything of you this morning, it's that you would pray for me and pray for Bree as we become parents. And as we aim for the standard that God has set of us being the stand-in. But then I want to flip it around and ask you, if you're a parent, is that where you're placing yourself? As a temporary stand-in for God. For what you're su supposed to be for your children so that they can better understand Him when their time comes. Are we disciplining with that in mind? Are we loving them with that in mind? And are we being an example in front of them with that in mind in every situation. None of us are perfect, and none of us ever will be, but we can strive for godly. We can strive for sanctification. We can move closer to that. And as children, how are we treating our parents? I don't just mean the kids in the room, the under 18 people. I mean all of us who have parents that are still around. Are we still maintaining the honor for our parents by respecting them, even though we're not necessarily under their thumb of obedience anymore? How does that example of how you interact with your parents and your children show the world who Jesus really is? Because that's the ultimate goal of every command is that the world would see Jesus and those who follow the commandments. Where are you with that? Give a minute here in just a second while the music plays. If you need to respond, please come forward. If you need to pray, uh, I'll be down front. Uh, we'd love to pray with you. If you need to talk to somebody, we'll hang out afterward if you need to. But would you stand with me? Let's pray, and we'll have a moment of meditation. Heavenly Father, thank you for listening today. At Graceway, our strongest desire is to glorify Christ by telling everyone about His grace. If you have questions or are in need of spiritual help, please reach out to us by visiting www.gracewaylex.org and click on the Contact Us section, or you can email us at gracewaylex at gmail.com. Our worship services are held each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. We'd love to worship with you this week. Until next time, take care and walk in the way of grace.